wonderful podcast. We've got an amazing guest today. Her name is Fausta Jolie. Um, she's the co-founder of Fervor Festival and our very first guest. And she's also a spoken word poet. How are you? I'm really How's good. Everything going? How's everything Super good. Thank you. How was it getting here today? Super easy and it's a beautiful day and I'm really happy to be here for your icebreaker podcast. Um, so we wanted to ask you a quick icebreaker question. We were wondering um, if you could have a conversation with any creator in existence, who would you have a conversation with? Ooh, oh gosh, that's a really good one. Um, so many people spring to mind. Wow, I'm having a bit of a Hilma Af Clint obsession, who's a painter. Um, but... I love Patti Smith. I know that may be a bit cliche, but I think I'd need to talk to Patti Smith. <laughs> Great. I think that's fair enough. I don't mind cliche answers. Like, if someone said, if you have to get like an author out from the dead, I'd be like, the Bronte sisters. No yeah. question else. Like, I don't care if you say that's like really basic. That's who I would go. That's brilliant. Um, how did you actually get um, first get involved in poetry? Ooh, so I'd always written, my mum is a poet, and I was trying really hard not to be a poet or be a creative <laughs> and it wasn't panning out. And I um, I discovered that there's this whole world of spoken word and poetry that I never knew existed. And when I looked through my notebooks, I kind of did write in verse um, naturally. So then I found that I had all these sort of poems. So I started putting them out there and then met people that were like, come to our poetry night and say them out loud. And I was sort of thinking does that exist and then it sort of snowballed from there so that was I guess 2018 okay. so five years ago yeah that's, 2018 was five years ago already yeah <laughs> that's painful <laughs> really painful that actually because I was going to ask you whether or not it was uh, like building a community was that quite an organic thing for you because like you're obviously really involved in the scene and like it sounds like you almost fell into it rather than sort of build it up like, I don't know what was your experience yeah, that's a really um, that's a really good point because the community is really giving, and they're some of the kindest audience ever. Because I think if you go to a gig or you go to a comedy night, everyone's you know getting a bit drunk or a bit tipsy, and it's all about the chat and the chitter. And uh, at spoken word nights, it's such a good leveler because you have people from all walks of life who have found poetry to be an outlet, and it, you'll find us a small section that you know they really want to pursue poetry but most you can have a doctor or a train driver so it's really incredible the people you meet are from all walks of life and uh it's a very giving honest freeing space so it is pretty organic I think it's one of those things where if you I think that kind of does happen in all creative pursuits in a way the minute you sort of start seeking and asking for your tribe it kind of does they come to you. ripple. <laughs> it does ripple, yeah. So have you ever had any interest in other like art forms, like singers? You said that you had a EP, was it, coming out? Uh, yes, I have an EP coming out. Um, I did love doing visual art in school, I guess. But writing always sort of was the paramount. I think I'd like to sing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry if I, oh, I'm 30 now maybe I need to take up a hobby but um <laughs> so I guess um yeah I don't know or filmmaking I guess but no it's spoken word and writing has always kind of been the top I'd say I always come back to it 
And do you feel comfortable on stage or did somebody have to kind of like push you to start doing it? I think because I did drama as a degree, I chose it because I was like, I don't know what I want to do and I don't think I can screw it up that badly. <laughs> so, um, and so I remember a video of that, my first performance, I was really fast. I was speaking so quickly. So there was nerves there, but I I don't think I've been too shy of the mic. Uh, and, it, and it really does depend on the, it depends on the set. I think it's down to the audience as well because they all, they're so attentive and there's such community. So I think there was obviously nerves, but I do, I do feel comfortable on stage because I like the connection. And so, yeah, but sometimes nerves creep up on you and it's, it's interesting what brings that on. I think you can be a really confident person and still sometimes like stumble over. And I think sometimes it's how you recover, I guess, is, and I think with maybe, I could be completely wrong, but with spoken word poetry, you could maybe incorporate that maybe sometimes or not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. You can, if you fluff it up, people give you the clicks. <laughs> So if you lose your words, people click you to encourage you. And um, yeah, you're right. You can you can be, uh, I think that's quite British as well to be self-deprecating. Um, what was your most like memorable moment on stage? Because you were saying how you can like incorporate things into your sort of performance. Has anything happened to you that sticks out in your mind? Like, oh gosh, I'll always remember that. Ooh, oh wow. Okay, so... I'll tell you an amusing one was the, my friends put on the Vagina Festival. Highly recommend that you look it up. Oh my God, it was I amazing. Will. It was um, Vava, Voom, Vava Womb and uh, <laughs> My Hairy Vulva and me <laughs> are these two sort of activists and uh, poet performers. And they put together this amazing night of poetry and drag at the RVT. And so they asked me to come along and do a poem. And I had this poem called I Love My Furry Muff <laughs> from years ago. But then um, I, I don't know, I was thinking, oh, I'll do something new. And it was really uh, cool because I'd written this poem around Christmas time and I was feeling a bit morose and the poem was sort of all about and it was quite an intimate poem and I don't tend to write super I maybe I do that privately but I don't tend to write to perform intimate poems about myself and personal mm -hmm. uh, and it was sort of about body image and things like this and uh, but it was quite somber because of the mood I was in when I wrote it and then when I looked at it again sort of six months later for this uh, event I was like, oh my God, this poem could all be about pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I loved the way that the reading of it changed. And so I drew this uh, oh, big vulva <laughs> <laughs> vagina on a brown piece of paper. Cause I didn't have, you know, I was just like, I think on the day I thought of it. And then, um, so, and it was kind of like a scroll and I put my poem on the back. So I came out. And uh, I pretended I was like, oh, it's a big eye. <laughs> and then I flipped it around and it was this vulva and I got to, and so I got to give this uh, performance of it. That was a complete new viewing of it. So that was really memorable and really fun. And I had some, some a lot of people came up to me afterwards and they were saying, can you voice over my like sex stories? <laughs> Oh, so that was quite God. funny. They were like, and I was like, "That's a good podcast idea." People could send in their smart, and I could really, <laughs> I could read it with my voice. I was, so that was memorable. It was a really, and there was, you know, it's just all these fantastic uh, female non-binary performers sharing space and being proud of our 
vaginas. <laughs> I like the idea of like subverting expectations coming out with turning <laughs> over like that. And I also think it's like kind of funky that when you wrote it, you didn't have that intention in mind. It's kind of is that a Freudian slip? Maybe I don't know. Like I didn't. Well, with that one specifically, I had started sleeping with women. That was new for me that year, mm-hmm. as well as as well as. Uh, and so, I don't know. I was just in that place when you're in your childhood home, and so it was. It was all about my body and being yeah. alone and intimate with your body. But um, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot of pussy involved because I was, <laughs> I was discovering other people's pussy. <laughs> pussy on the brain. Pussy on the, it, was, <laughs> it was called body talk. Body talk. Oh, okay. Um, you said that you prefer to write um, more intimate stuff and perform more spoke, uh, like jovial stuff, spoken word. Is that what you were sort of implying? You said that you keep more intimate stuff to yourself before performing it on stage. Uh, I think what it is. I find the act of writing the sort of therapeutic side of things. And I think when you first start writing, the floodgates are opened and it is sort of very intimate. And then, um, and so when you're on the spoken word scene, people really pour their hearts out and some of them can be quite confessional. And I really admire people doing that, but I kind of look at lexicon and rhythm. And so I'm sort of drawn to rhythm and I do bring humor into my poems and so I try I try writing dark poetry but I always <laughs> I unintentionally I I do like a line at the end that's like don't worry there's light because I think that's I'm trying to tell myself that and I want other people to know that because poetry does bring creativity in the arts brings that like you can be in a really my company Jolie Licks our ethos is creativity is so I, I so I guess I'm trying to tell myself that and I'm trying to tell the listener that because everyone has dark moments and that's and poets explore it really beautifully but that's not really I try and do a, a universal approach I guess and so there's different modes it's all over the place which I guess is why I haven't made a collection yet because it's so sporadic the themes and um but there I there's I definitely have like a style and so um I was trying, yeah, I think there was a moment where I, I, I've i stayed away after the first couple of years of using my own stories. And I guess there's always a little, you know, as a writer yourself, there's always going to be a little part of you in what you write. But um, uh, so, I, yeah, it was a challenge I was when you're writing all the time. And, and that's what's beautiful about spoken word is that you can go and share it right away you know you can bake it in the oven and then be like come and eat my cake (laughs) so uh I love that immediacy of it as well that you you, it's not going to sit in a drawer if you don't want it to you can just expel it into the world and uh so because I know that there's a big difference between spoken word and written poetry or at least from what I was taught uh, yeah. Do you feel there is a big difference or do you, is there no difference for you? Uh, I think it's become a lot less stuffy, I would say. I think that it was very academic. Some of my favourite poets, you see them perform, you see them read and it's a bit like monotone like this. But it's so there's all these different modes. Uh, I personally think, well, that's an interesting one. Some poems you write aren't going to be the best spoken, but... 
uh, it really depends. Some of the people that have been um, winning prizes at the moment came from performing their work. And so I think there's an art to it. I don't I don't think if you're, you can be a really good poet, but you might not necessarily be great at performing it. But I think you can be a great page poet as a great spoken word artist. So I would try, I would try and eliminate any ideas of differences and be like, you can do whatever the hell you want <laughs> with poetry. <laughs> When you say that you had like favorite poets that sort of tend to be better on page, like classics, or what? What were you sort of? What names off the top of your head? I guess uh, oh, there's a lot of American poets where their stuff is so meaty. Um, I'm thinking of Anne Carson and uh, Sharon Om. I th- believe their name is, uh, and so. They'll read it a little bit like this, and that's an in, that's another interesting take. Mm-hmm. But uh, if one of my favorite poets is Selena Godin, and they uh, she really brings it on stage, and I admire that. I admire I admire anyone that gets on stage. Full stop. Even if you go to see a crappy band and you're like, "Ooh, that person can't sing," I'm like, <laughs> "Shit, they got up and they did it." So. Um, so I guess I'm quite biased in that way. I'm like, you got up there, you did it. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there's, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, you're like 100% right. And it's quite vulnerable, isn't it, to get up on stage and like just get up on stage and have people look at you. That alone is quite sort of terrifying, but mm. to actually bring something that you've created and be like, this is my stuff. Yeah. So I guess I guess that might be why some people prefer to stay just on the page, whereas you're sort of taking it by storm and being like, I'm going on and performing. Yeah, I guess for me, it was a way of forcing myself to not keep it in a notebook or keep it in a drawer, because yeah. I was quite bad for that. Sort of, I came to a point, yeah, when I was 26, actually, where I was saying I'm calling myself a writer but no one's reading it and no one is seeing it and so it's almost it was the most accessible way to get my work out there so it was the most accessible way to prove to myself okay I can produce work and it can be um you know experienced by others because that's a it's a funny thing we write and we create for ourselves but it's does it exist if no one sees it or experiences it so you have to kind of give it like okay I am gonna share this Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to be like yeah this is a great gift and enjoy (laughs) so yeah that's yeah yeah we're actually we're taught like writers kind of have to be a little narcissistic about their work otherwise other people might not want to listen to it yeah I guess yeah you have to uh well I guess it's about finding that confidence because no one else is gonna really do that for yeah. you so yeah. yeah no one's gonna put your work out in a page on the stage unless you actually do it first yeah so it's quite liberating mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you have done because you, you're you've yeah. done you're a sing songwriter so you performed a lot and yeah. then it, I don't know if you've done it on stage I, I used to do a bit no. of like, amateur dramatics although it's one of those things that you stop doing it for a while and you're like I miss it but like that's a really okay so any everyone listening out there <laughs> if you go to a poetry night which there are um there are many whatever town you're in there will be at least one and if there isn't maybe you need to make one or if there isn't they're online so it's quite it's incredible how much is going on and I swear if you go to one by the third time you'll have 
tried your hand at something in between and by the third time you'll be like screw it I want to get on stage yeah yeah mm. for sure well, we were talking about one that you were involved in uh, Rebel Soapbox yeah Rebel Soapbox is a Brighton based night at the Brunswick in Hove uh, with the lovely Jenny Folds who came from Rhymes with Orange and their background is acting and they're a really good slam poet uh, that's a whole other I don't, we don't got tangled until like the difference between slam and like other holy <laughs> nights. So yeah, we met in London and we connected, and so I helped them sort of set up the format. I do poetry workshops, so I, maybe I don't want to talk about Rebel Soapbox. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, you have um, your uh, poetry workshops, and you were advertising Coven Jazz Nights as well, weren't you? Oh yeah. So okay. So basically. There's two sides to my work. I'm a poet, Fausta Jolie, and then I have a company, Jolie Licks. And in 2018, uh, so maybe I started doing spoken word in 2017, but at the end of 2018, I put on a multi-arts event with my friends who had, uh, they were starting a devising theatre company. And we, I just have always wanted to put on performances in sort of domestic spaces. And I grew up in this really, I was really lucky to grow up in this incredible house that my grandparents had in the middle of West London. And so we had like performances in every room. We had art, we had, uh, we had some music. And so that I became, I was like, I I would do this every month if I could. Um, But of course, you know, you need a lot of backing and you need a little following. So then I was thinking, okay, I really want to grow this. But I need, I want to hone my skills. And I started this poetry journey. And then I met a guy who was opening up a wine bar. And he was like, oh, I hear you're a poet. Do you want to put on a night here? And I wasn't so big, you know, I wasn't so well connected in the open mic scene yet. So I knew I couldn't do an open mic. But I was like, I bet I could do a workshop and not. And I was nervous because I was thinking, I don't want to tell people how to write poetry. I only know my experience, but I want to create little exercises that loosen people up and know that they can take inspiration from anything. And, you know, it's not as because this whole idea of sometimes you're in the way we're taught poetry in school. Oh, God, it's like soul sucking. I mean, I like Wilfred Owen, great, but geez Louise, man, like how does that represent anything that we've got going on now? And the way we have to dissect poetry, I always was laughing at like, oh yeah, like they really thought about you you can't you can't dissect poetry in the way that it's done in schools. And so people I was even like, ooh, you know, about poetry. So I wanted to create an antithesis for that and I wanted to create an open space because I thought poetry kind of is like your gateway drug to creativity because you don't need anything it's so cheap to do and no one you no one has to see it and one of the most um important things I was like if we're gonna do three exercises and after each one you're gonna share and not a single workshop did one maybe they skipped the first one but that's only happened like three times or something. But everyone shared. And it was unbelievable that they were just, and they're like, oh, my poem's not good. And then you, they dropped this creation that they did in 10 minutes. And it was like, whoa. So Sip and Rhyme started and I did it monthly. Oof. I think when I even did it online. So I've done, I did it monthly pretty much up until the beginning of this year when I started 
looking at a larger scale and I put all my energy into um yeah going back to multi-arts events so Mm -hmm. I did a couple of yeah I don't know it's crazy how many events I've done in this short space of time but um and then Jolie Licks is meant to be for represent everything spoken word music art da, da, da. I worked in a jazz club uh which was amazing and I met these incredible performers and there wasn't really a female-led jazz jam and when I've been to jazz jams before it's usually I got nothing against dudes <laughs> I got nothing against them, but it was like these white dudes, and they, you know, they work, jazz musicians work really hard, and it's late at night, and they're like, okay, we're going to have like Ronnie come on the sax now. So it was sort of, you know, and this little sheepish, another white dude gets on with his sax and is nervous and does a performance with the band and blah, blah, blah. So jams were, could be quite tiresome at times. And I wanted to create a night that was female led, female non binary led, 100%. And I wanted to pick, and I chose to musician, a really incredible singer and amazing saxophonist. Um, Helena de Bono is the singer and Jessica Bullen is the saxophonist. And uh, they're so bubbly and great and electric on stage. And so, yeah, we did our first one last week or two weeks ago. And uh, I'm really excited for it. We want to create showcases, maybe a podcast and mm-hmm. just create a space where female non-binary musicians can come and mingle and and I, I I imagine you'll come to our night and you'll meet your lineup you'll meet your band you know okay. that's kind of how I want to see it so it's about that I did um similar things in the city we, we would have these jam sessions and it was in Brooklyn and you would walk up to this apartment and you would come it was very homey um, they would greet you they would give you like food and drinks and it was very similar to what you're describing I love that. and people would just like hop onto instruments and everybody yes, would jam out that's so good I think America is a lot because I am uh, my mom's from New York and I think America is a lot better at let's gather together let's mingle we're mingling to make friends but we're also like let's exchange numbers let's create a project I think sometimes yeah I feel like that's not really done as could be done more here we're very stiff up with it like you you don't yeah. know my space we're going to your space we'll coexist yeah <laughs> it's sort of like i don't know what we're here for apart from like to connect so yeah yeah, yeah so you you find that these events are really good networking opportunities which ones um the events that you're putting on the cabarets and the, um, um the yeah definitely i've seen people form friendships and form connections and build things off the back of uh when people came to sip and rhyme it gave them the confidence to put on their own night or release a pamphlet. And so I've seen the ripple effect of uh, bringing people together. That's the, yeah, that's the creme de la creme of what I do is bringing people together. It's, I want the artist to feel as ignited as the audience does. Mm. And that's important to me as well is making the artist feel valued and uh, comfortable and like they've had the freedom to express themselves. That's, really important and so it's really amazing because I think with yeah any live art you are you there's a little high you get from watching something you know if I from our jazz jam I was uh you know I was trying to take a a step I was taking a step back I sort of um 
and you just feel elated after you're just smiling from ear to ear and as an audience member I experience that all the time so making sure people making experiences for people to feel the same uh mm. is a big mo for me 100 percent sometimes when you're in the audience and you're seeing something that's really cool or something really speaks to you, you kind of get that tingle, don't you? And you kind of look around and you're like, is everybody else getting the same tingle yeah. that yeah. I'm getting? Yes, that's so and true. It's like a group, it's like, it's like going to movies almost yeah. kind of, compared to just watching. Yeah. yeah. The, um, what, what projects are you particularly excited about in, the, say, 2023? Because I feel like 2022 is beginning to come oh, to yeah, an we're end. Yeah, we're winding down. <laughs> um, so I am... Um, really excited for my poetry EP. I'm recording it with Genevieve Dawson, who's a singer-songwriter. It's five tracks. It's sort of three meteor, longer poems, and then two little, little, <laughs> little ones. And then in terms of event work, I uh, work with an incredible business partner, Mark T. Cox, who's a cabaret artist. And at the beginning of this year yes <laughs> at the beginning of this year we came up with further festivals so they are coming from the cabaret world which i felt really inspired by while i i kind of got introduced to it through friends and working at the jazz club and um so further festival it's sort of a, it's an extension of Jolie Licks. So as a producer, I go as Jolie Licks, and I wanted to work with. I've always wanted to collaborate with people, but Mark was the first person that, you know, he's so pragmatic and creative and steady and very. We balance each other really well, mm-hmm. and so we're looking to create more further events because we did our August show which was a smash hit we did it was a lot though it was a massive learning curve it was uh it was all of August we did three events a week sometimes even four we had a a little we had spoken word Thursdays live music Fridays and cabaret and drag Saturdays which Mark T. Cox programmed and even a mini film festival with the incredible Liberty Antonia Sadler and their uh, micro acts. Everyone should check it out. It's a free night, unbelievably, because they put so much love and work into it. And then you'll see 90 minutes of short films from all over the world. And it's spectacular. It's such a good, such a good evening. I think there's a little break in between. So it's like, It's so good. So I highly recommend Microacts. And uh, Liberty Antonia Sadler did all our artwork. They're, they're a really incredible artist and producer themselves. And so Fervor became... Fervor, I was like, I'm going to make this my dream uh, program. And I'm going to call up people. I'm going to book Selena Godin, my favourite writer of the moment. And I'm going to fly over Stina Volta from Sweden. I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to put all my eggs into this basket. I'm going to self-fund it. I don't care. This is like, a, this is like a 28, you know, a dream since 2018, all these things I've been concocting. And yeah, it was, a, it was a lot, but it was so rewarding in a way. Yeah. It sounds like you've really like gone full gun ho for it and put all your commitment and love into like cooking this really cool event for people well events i should say no thank you so so yeah i think that's what the future holds i think my uh we got a christmas show in stoke newington on the 17th of december so it's uh a further 
Is it festive fervor or fervor fest? Yeah, but I'm trying to remember what the Christmas show is called. What is that? Uh, so yeah, at the old church in Stoke Newington on the 16th, we've got two amazing uh, acts, and then Mark T. Cox and myself will be performing. Um, so that'll be a hoot. We're just trying to bring. We're just trying to bring a little bit of joy and. Mm elegance and glamour and we're trying to pay our artists right and use interesting spaces and I think one important thing was we wanted to create queer spaces where but not necessarily have to say it out loud and go into spaces that weren't predominantly queer uh I think that was important to us so I think we're going to continue that um because there's so many great spaces, like the Glory is obviously a huge uh, hub in London, because mm. I'm quite London-centric, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, and so we love these places, but it's just nice to go into other spaces and say, and not even have to say it, just be like, this is what we're putting on. It's actually just really great performance and art. And so yeah, and enjoy. Yeah, to sort of label it like everyone's welcome and this is what we're doing. Yeah, 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 and so that's that's uh, so my missions for twenty twenty three are release the EP, do more further festival shenanigans, <laughs> and yeah, continue my work with the amazing Mark T Cox. So that's yeah. Well, we're definitely going to check out some of your oh, events. Definitely, yeah, yeah, we're do. definitely going to come on the seventeenth. Yes, yeah. do. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Yes, please. It'll be a lot of fun. I feel like I've. I could ask you so many more questions, but we're sort of beginning to run out of time. So I think my final question is, um, what is your favourite aspect of poetry and what would you recommend to aspiring poets? Ooh, okay. So (laughs) (laughs) my favourite aspect of poetry is that there are no rules. You can shake it up. It's hard to navigate it's it's oddly hard to let go <laughs> um as human beings and so my advice for budding or you want to start out I do think starting out in a notebook with a pen is really beautiful because you can free flow and you it's harder to sort of see clearly what you've written and so there's less of an editor in your mind uh and so I so my favorite part is the freedom and it does it is a soul self it does when I'm in a tricky bind or I've done silly things to make myself blue then honestly writing a silly poem or write putting a little spin on what I've been going through in my head gives you perspective I think that's a really important thing to note is that it can give you perspective I've worked with young people and it's really good to see how you're feeling in your head and there's a protection when you do it in verse because, you know, it's not diary form. So you can still keep things a little bit veiled, but it gives you perspective. When I work with young people, they read what they've written and they see, oh, my goodness, like I'm in a, I'm in a dark spell or, oh, that I do appreciate this person. So I like the perspective, the freedom and the perspective it gives you. And yes, so advice is there are no rules you don't need to figure out how to write a sonnet but if you do that's a fun 
exercise because it's sort of conquering something. Can you tell my professor that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, easily. Uh, so all professors out there, back off trying to <laughs> push people into form. But it, but use it as a as a challenge. It, it can it can be fun. It's sort of when you that's yeah. I guess that's a whole other subject. When you get restrictions. It's interesting when you play with them what you what you create. Uh, go to poetry nights and don't be afraid. Lots of poets, are neurodi- the majority of us are neurodiverse, have social anxiety. Uh, you know, there's a whole, we're a motley crew and you won't be the only one. I kind of do think it's a good challenge to go on your own because it forces, it, I'm not forces the wrong word, but it allows you to mingle and meet people that you might not have ever spoken to. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, hold on. <laughs> uh, poets are a motley crew and I advise that you go on your own because it does create nice little connections and it's a really good way to understand that you're, you're incredible <laughs> and uh you're gonna meet you're gonna meet your tribe and some of them might be at poetry nights that sounds it sounds like that's what you're all about creating like communities and tribes and encouraging people to love poetry i think that's so cool yeah thank you so much Alison, for coming here we really do appreciate it you've been a fantastic guest oh thank you Anna and thank rachel you. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you